We're going to continue on tonight. I know you guys have come ready to receive the word. We're talking about a very incredible, um, incredible subject because it, it just affects every area of your Christian walk. We're talking about how to develop spiritual strength, right? It's, it's an incredible subject because we hardly, there's hardly any books written about it, but yet it's such an important piece to develop to develop spiritual strength, you have to maintain a position of being humble, of being faithful, of being teachable, and being correctable. You know, you have to maintain a soft heart. You can never let your heart get hard. And the world system, Satan, and his, his hierarchy is going to work overtime to get you living out of your flesh so that your heart gets hardened. And remember, when we started talking last week about the heart, it's the Greek word cardia, okay? It literally means, it's, it, we, we separate these things to teach them, but your spirit and your soul is connected, right? You are a spirit being. You possess a soul which is what, what's contained in your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soulish part of you is the control center of your life, right? And then you live in a physical body. Well, I'll tell you, this is so important that you live your life focused on the fact that I'm a spirit. Don't let Satan talk you into you're a body right? Because, boy, that'll mess with you. You'll start to, you'll, you'll start to just not see things clear. So last week we started talking about, you know, the importance of not letting your heart be hardened. But when we talk about the, when we talk about this, your spirit and your soul are connected. So the word cardia, part of the definition, it, it says your center, which would be your spirit. But then it goes, then it starts talking about the center of your intellect, of your reasoning, the center of your emotions. Well, that's talking about your soul. So when we talk about the hardened heart, listen, we're talking about don't let your mind get hardened. Okay? We've got to renew your mind with the word of God. So let's go. Uh, we started in Proverbs chapter 4 last week. Go to Proverbs 4 verse 23. I'm just going to read a couple scriptures. Um, we're going to see, do you know all these principles in the Bible, these major principles, are all designed to show you how to be a doer of the word and how to keep your heart soft, how to be pliable. Think of it like this. It's like you're the clay on a potter's wheel, and he's the potter. And you want him to mold you and to develop you into the man and woman of God that he has so graciously saved us for. He's put things in you. He wants you to become who he's made you to be. Amen? So to do that, you have to be pliable. You have to, you have to remain soft. Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep, which means guard, your heart with all diligence, 
That means you're to guard your heart when you feel like it and guard your heart when you don't feel like it. In other words, you always have to guard your heart, all right? With all diligence, for out of it, out of your heart, and you could put in their hearts, I hope you're thinking when I say heart, heart slash soulish realm, mind, right? Out of it, out of your heart, out of your mind will flow the issues, which this Hebrew word, as we said last week, it means boundaries. Out of your heart, out of your mind will flow the boundaries of your life, the borders of your life. In other words, God is saying, you set the boundaries. That's why the word says all things are possible to him that believes, right? That's how come Mark 11 says this, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Wow, that's some big stuff, isn't it? Guard your heart with all diligence. We've got to protect, we've got to guard, and we have to maintain our heart. How do we do that? Well, it tells you in the previous verses. My son, Proverbs 4.20, attend to my words. You put my word first place in your life. Incline your ear to my sayings. You give my word your undivided attention, right? Keep my word ever before your eyes, Keep it in the midst of your heart because my words are life to those that find them and they are health or medicine to all their flesh. That's how you guard your heart. That's how you keep your heart. That's how you maintain your heart. Romans 12.2 says it this way. Don't be conformed into the mold. Don't be molded or slammed in to the mold of the world, but be transformed as you renovate and renew your mind. There's only one thing that does that, right? The implanted word, when the word of God is implanted in your heart, James tells us it brings wholeness to your soulish realm, okay? So then we told a story. Now, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, it tells a story, uh, and, it, and it basically talks about the children of Israel that came out of Egypt, that whole generation, except two people, never went into the promised land. In other words, they never walked in, in their life, what God had given them. And they didn't because of a rebellious heart of unbelief, because of a hardened heart. See, the reason why this subject is so important is this is, the, this is one of the few areas in the Bible that says if you don't take care of this, you could be utterly destroyed without remedy. Do you know there's no incurable disease? There's no financial situation that is incurable. There's none, none of that. Anything could be healed. Anything could be restored. But a hardened heart can bring a Christian to a place where they, they will not change and they live without. They die early. They never fulfill the plan of God for their life. I know 
in word of faith circles, we don't like to hear that. But this is all over the book. And we need to develop spiritual strength because you, you have been made a world overcomer. When you, when you were made new, when he put a new spirit inside of your body, and then the Holy Spirit took up residency in your, in your spirit, shed his love abroad in your heart, you have an inheritance. You've been given everything to dominate in this earth. But you got to be careful because you still have this nature in your physical body, the nature of your flesh that gets upset if anybody wants to tell you what to do and it's always somebody else's fault and, you know, why has this happened to me? This is not fair. And who do you think you are, right? Now, all that stuff leads you to death. All of it. None of it's of God. All of it, all of it will lead you to death. So let's read this story about the children of Israel because God is warning us, don't be like them, right? Why? Because he's a good father. You will never lay hold of what he has for you if you do what they did, right? So let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 3, we'll start in verse 7. And I'm just going to read it. We went into it a little bit more last week, but I just want to read this a little bit more just to kind of refresh your mind with this. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice. In other words, today... The decision is yours if you're going to hear his voice. It's your decision. Yeah, but I just never know what, you know, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I don't, um, you know, I just don't seem like I ever hear his voice. Come on, Right? Yeah. And, and the answer to that is, okay, well, you're not. But you decided that. So make a different decision and you'll start hearing his voice. Right? Well, why am I not hearing his voice? Because you're selfish. Because you're self-centered. Because you're in pride. What do I mean? You're just living out of your flesh. Do you know how easy it is to live out of your flesh? All you have to do is nothing. Get up in the morning. Don't spend any time with God. Just hop in the shower, brush your teeth, and just go your way and start thinking about all you got to do. Focus on your natural life, and you will not hear the voice of God. Oh, he wants, he wants to lead you, right? But here it says, if you will hear his voice. The decision's yours. He says this, harden, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. This is the day when the children of Israel literally said, God, no, we cannot have that land that for 600 years you told us we could have. We are saying, no, we, we can't have it. There's giants there. There's people greater than us there. Every reason they gave, God already told them that was the case. But he said, don't worry about that. I've given you the land. But that was the day of provocation. That was the day that the children of Israel provoked God. Isn't that crazy? Do you know people blame God? Are you kidding me? That is pride on steroids. Do you know how much more he knows than we know? 
I could go on. I'm not even going to go on with that. But it's the, the, the Hebrew word harden, it literally means to make hard, to make stiff, to make stubborn, to make callous. Right? Don't do that. Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. This, this word provocation is the day of provoking, but it also is defined as the day of irritation because God was irritated when they provoked him. What, what provoked him? They said that they could not have what God said he already gave them. Yikes, right? In the day of temptation... In the day of temptation, this word temptation means in the day that, that basically they put God to the test to prove him. You know, God said we could test him in one thing. He said, you tithe. I'll let you test me in that area. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out of blood. That's the only area right? Outside of that, he's God, right? Verse, verse 9, when your fathers tempted me, they proved me, they saw my works for 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. This word err means they always wonder and they're always deceived in their heart. What, what did that look like? What did it look like for them to err in their heart, to be deceived in their heart? They were unpersuadable. God could not persuade them. They literally saw the Red Sea part. They saw the whole Egyptian army be destroyed. They saw a pillar of a cloud by day, a pillar of a fire by night. Could you imagine if we walked outside this church tonight and right over our parking lot was God in a pillar of fire every night for 40 years? And we wonder if he can deliver these nations to us. Right? They saw miracle after miracle for 40 years. You might go into some of it. God gives them manna. Moses says, just take enough for tonight, to eat for today. Leave the rest of it. Don't, what do they do? They don't, they don't trust. So they, they got to, hey, we got to make sure we got a little extra. Right? He tells them to go in. They say, no, we're not going in. Then he says, okay, then you're just going to live in the wilderness. They get up the next morning, hey, oh, you know what? God, we'll go in now because we don't want, no, or what do you mean we're going to live in the wilderness? Right? No, no, we want to be blessed. So they're like, no, we're going in. God's like, don't go, I'm not with you. It just seems like every time God told them to do something, they would do the opposite. They did always err in their heart. Here's the thing about the hardened heart. You see a progression this is not something that you mess up one time and choose wrong once, and man, your life is destroyed. No, 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 no. God's a God of mercy. As a matter of fact, if you ever, if you just keep your heart right, you always get mercy. 
Always. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter how guilty you are. Right? It doesn't matter. There, there's stories in the Bible, evil people, I mean really evil people, when they cried out, they got mercy. You're almost going, God, are you kidding me? But he just is compelled. He's the God of all mercy. But he's also a God that he, he'll resist the proud. He'll give grace to the humble, but he'll resist the proud. He'll oppose them. He has to. Even his children, he will oppose his children. He'll, he'll, he'll keep them at arm's length. Why? Because they've got to know. They've got to make a decision. They've got to know, hey, your actions have consequences. He's a good father, right? So, and, and it says, they always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I, sm so I swore, swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Verse 12, take heed. This means you make sure you see correctly and discern this. Take heed, brethren. See this, brethren. See it correctly, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Don't look at the children of Israel, in other words, and say, hey, well, they're just a mess. They weren't even born again. Listen, we're born again. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We got this. No, 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 no. You see clearly. In other words, see clearly, guys. Guess who keeps us? He does. Guess who's going to keep me from having a hard heart? He is. But I've got to want that. Right? Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. This, this word unbelief means rebellious, disobedience, an evil heart of unpersuadableness, saying that you cannot have what God said he gave you. Don't ever say, God, why haven't you healed my body? Because you just, you just told God that you can't have what he said he gave you. Right? Don't ever, don't ever say, preacher, don't get in that pulpit and say tongues have been done away with. Don't say that Holy Spirit stuff is past. Are you kidding me? Wow. Right? God, God gave the Holy Spirit. He's here. Hello. Right? I had a guy try to explain to me how that all ended. Oh my. I don't even remember all the theologians' names that he talked about, but he never said it is written. And finally, I told him, listen, you can't ever talk me out of this. It'd be like me... It, it, it'd be like me standing in a pool of water, and I'm in the pool, and somebody's trying to tell me there's no water in the pool. No, no, I'm, I'm in it. Right? Verse 13, but exhort or encourage one another while, encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened. Second time that word is used. Through the deceitfulness of sin. How are we hardened through the deceitfulness of sin? That word deceitfulness literally means through the seducing, deception, and delusion of sin. We have to do what? Encourage one another daily while it is called today. That's why we need each other. Yes. We're a gathering faith. We get everything together. Talk to people that sit at home 
They, you could watch the greatest teachers in the world and not be planted in a local church and you're not going to grow spiritually. And you're probably going to become a mess very quickly. Right? we got to be careful about these things. Oh, preacher, be careful. Don't you tell me I need to be in church or I'm out. Okay. We're here when you decide. When, you know, I remember when the Lord told me to get over myself. I had this picture inside of me of me just beating my head against the wall. And he's just like, okay, Tony, you just, you're asking me. you got to get over yourself. Stop beating your head against the wall. Ministry is really hard when you're working and I'm not working. Amen. It's like, wow. You know? I mean, when he corrects, it's wonderful. Yeah. Sometimes you, know, you, walk, you walk out of it and you're going, I can't believe I was so stupid. <laughs> right? And then you, then you think of all those scriptures in the book of Proverbs that my mom made me memorize Proverbs. He gives understanding to the simple. Then you grow up in the Lord and you look up that Hebrew word simple and you find out, oh, it means stupid. <laughs> King James translators were being a little nice. Hey, I've been stupid and now I'm not. And not being stupid is much better. Amen? That's deep. Verse 14, for we are made partakers we're made participant, participants of Christ if, get this, we're made a participant of Christ if, in other words, the choice is ours, we must decide if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. We've got to hold on to it. Right? The beginning, we must hold or retain the beginning of our confidence steadfast till the end. The Bible says this over and over again. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Do you know part of that word saved is healed? He that endures to the end will be healed. What do you mean? You'll see it in your body. He that endures to the end is going to prosper. Right? It's... It's not how you started this race. It's how you finish it. Amen. Right, man? So, so, so if you were kind of all over the place up to right now today, be, be excited. God's not mad at you. And you just make a decision to change. I'm going to go a different way. Now, God, I realize I can't do that on my own. He, he's like, that's great. I've been really trying to get you to see that for a long time. Yeah. Right? But he goes, don't worry about it. You, you're never alone. I'm always right there. Right? For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. Verse 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, again if, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, verse 16, jump down there. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Not all, Joshua and Caleb. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter as to his rest, but to them that believe not? God has given you an inheritance it's incorruptible. It's always there for you. You can't mess it up, but you cannot use it. 
right? It's, but it's still there if you ever decide to line up with God. And I know, you know, we're Americans, right? And we're charismatics. Even, even one step further, we're even like word of faith type people. We think the world sur- just, we're the center of our universe. No, God is the center. He's the foundation. We have to line up with him. This answers the questions. So many Christians, they'll start to move in a direction because they just feel they're led by their feelings. They're not led by the spirit of God. And they get out ahead of God and they start wanting to do something that God's not in. And then they don't want to change. Don't Be willing to say, it won't kill you. Hey, I, I missed it. Let's try that. I missed it. Okay, is everybody still okay? Yeah. Right? But here is how, you really, here's how you really miss it. If you don't change. Because, see, you could be going in a wrong direction for a long time, but if you ever make a decision to change, you haven't missed it now. You're back. God will, God will get some stuff over to you. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those that believe not... Verse 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief, a refusal to believe and obey. That's why they couldn't enter in. It's a refusal. What does that look like in our lives today? I was hurt and I just refuse to forgive this person. What what, what's going on in my life right now? This is unfair. This was not what I ever thought it would be. Be really careful with that because you're, you're in a position right now that there's no way that God can help you. Well, listen, I was really hurt and I just got to protect myself so that I'm not going to get hurt again. Go ahead and harden yourself to protect yourself and you will hurt more. That's a lie of the enemy. God has a way of turning everything around, but we must invite him in and do it his way. And his way, many times, your flesh doesn't like his way. You want me to do what? Right? I remember this one preacher, man, he would just, uh, he, he hated our pastor in California. And, uh, you know, he just, he was just, hated the word of faith message still does to this day and i mean he would just every every radio program he was right after our pastor was on the radio and everyone he would just literally just bash and bash and bash my wife was the pastor's secretary and so the pastor comes out of his office one day and he goes to her and he says hey i i need i need to cut a check for this amount of money it was a lot of money and send it to this guy. And she looked, <laughs> you know, my wife, she, she looked up at him and said, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. He goes, this is how I stay in forgiveness. I gotta, right? It helps him. Yeah. You better be praying for your enemies. Right? Because if you don't, it's gonna hurt nobody but you. It won't hurt them. They don't think about you. Right? Right? Ouch. Okay, go on, Pastor. Come on, I want to be happy that I came to church tonight. I know you all are. 
It says here in chapter 4, let us therefore fear. This Greek word fear literally means let us therefore be cautious, be aware, and be diligent, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, the children of Israel. But the word preached didn't profit them. Why? Because they didn't mix it with faith. They never walked around in the wilderness saying, Father, I thank you that you said that you have a land for us. How important is your confession? The word has to be in your heart and coming out of your mouth. Amen? I love that. Seeing, therefore, verse 6, jump down there. Seeing, therefore, it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not. They entered not. Listen, God wants you to enter into everything that he has provided for you in this life. He wants you to walk in it all. And that's why we're teaching on this. So we'll teach you how to guard your heart. Because for me to just stand up here and go, hey, guard your heart. Everybody's like, okay, yeah, that's awesome. Have no idea what that means. Right? Well, we're going to talk about that. Verse 7, again, he limited a certain day saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice. Notice how many times he said that now. Harden not your hearts. This is so important. So in other words, as we said last week, the word of God is drawing a major example, a major example of the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. He's warning us as New Testament believers to not fall in the same way they did. Okay? You got to understand the nature of Satan himself is pride, stubbornness, rebellion. And that same nature is in your flesh. And we want to stay away from it. Right? If you yield to your flesh, you are literally yielding to rebellion, stubbornness. You're yielding to fear, unbelief. You're actually yielding to defiance. Think about that when you start to think about yielding to your flesh. That's how serious it is, right? When you yield to your flesh, this will harden your heart. Remember, we said this last week, deception and hardness go hand in hand. When you yield to your flesh, you instantly walk into a position where you are being deceived, you're not seeing things right, and it will bring a hardening, a callousness, a stubbornness, where you're not pliable. The whole generation of the children of Israel, they died outside the promise of God because of this. And guys, the world, our brothers and sisters, need all of us to lay hold of and walk in our inheritance right? The world needs to see a Christian lay hands on the sick and they recover. The world needs to see the Christian recover. The world needs to see the Christians increase financially. 
The world needs to see Christians be fearless. Walk in a love that, they, that makes no sense to them. Walk in a peace that doesn't make any sense. Right? If you look at being a doer of the word, the Bible says the doer of the word can't be moved. And that's what the world needs to see. So then we go to Proverbs. Jump over there. And I really want to kind of jump into this now. Proverbs 28, verse 13 and 14. Proverbs 28, verse 13 and 14. It says, He that covers his sins shall not prosper. This word cover means to conceal or hide his sin. Okay? What is a Christian to do with any sinful or unrighteous behavior? You don't conceal it, you confess it. You go to your father and you confess it, right? As we get into a teaching on grace, we're probably going to have to spend, I never thought I would see this, but we're going to have to spend a lot of time talking about 1 John 1, 9. Because there's some ridiculous teaching out there by some very gifted and very well-known ministers that are saying, oh yeah, the first chapter of 1 John is not written to Christians the other four are, but not the first chapter. So, so a Christian never has to confess his sins. He that covers his sins shall not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Do you know you have God's word? If you ever mess up, doesn't matter what you did, if you'll confess it and forsake it, you always get mercy. Always. Happy is the man that feareth always. But he that hardeneth his heart, hardeneth, becomes stiff and stubborn, shall fall into mischief. That word means evil. If you harden yourself, you, it's the road into evil, right? Go to Job chapter 9 and verse 4. Interesting scripture in the book of Job. Everybody's like, wow, now we're even talking, we're even in Job now. Yikes. Job chapter 9, verse 4 says this. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. He who? God. You could say it this way. God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. And then it asks a question. Who hath hardened himself against him? Talking about who's hardened himself against God and hath prospered? Guess what? No hands go up there. There's not anyone who's ever hardened their heart towards God and prospered. It's impossible. Now you could say, well, now wait a minute. There is some very wealthy, evil people. Yeah, not prospering. They might have a little bit for a vapor, but they're... they're their whole eternity is messed up. 
messed up beyond anything we could ever even imagine. And they're missing it. There's no, there's no fulfillment. There's no satisfaction. They don't know God. They've just become very callous to where they think they are God. Total deceived, right? In the world, the Bible says, without hope and without God, right? This is a big scripture. In other words, getting hard with God never prospers. Christian, can you hear me? Getting hard with God. God, why did this happen to me? With the emphasis on under, undertone, why did you allow this to happen to me? Right? No, no, no. Listen, when Job, what the whole book of Job, you know, everybody, everybody says, all these theologians, oh, the question of Job is, why do bad things happen to good people? But that can't be the question because God never answered that question. Job asked the question almost the whole book. I'm righteous. Why is this happening to me? God shows up. The guy's got boils. He lost his family. He lost everything. What does God do? Oh, Job, come here. Come here. You know, I, I need to talk to you. No. He's like, hey, get up. Stand up before me like a man. Why? Because Job was doing that to God. Why, God? Why, why, are you allow, why did you allow this? And, and so God starts going, okay, Mr. Know-it-all, do you understand how the laws of heaven govern the laws of this planet? He's like, uh, and he goes through these things, basically bringing Job to a place where he got a revelation that God knew a little more than he knew and was a little bit greater than he was. To the point to where Job goes, yeah, you know, I've spoken wrongly about you, and because I don't ever want to do that again, I'm just going to put my hand over my mouth. Amen. Right? Amen. But then God brings Job, God was bringing him to a place because all God ever wants to do is restore. Amen. That's all. He never considers himself. So he brings Job to a place. Do you know Job got everything back in less than a year? You know, some people go, yeah, I'm just like poor old Job. Seriously? Right? No, no, you didn't read the book. Right? But the question of Job was very clear. And the question is this. When you don't understand what's happening in your life, when you're hurting and you're like, why did this happen to me? Man, I could just, I'm starting to feel what some people are feeling right now. And I don't understand it. And I don't see how this is ever going to change. And, and, you know, if you are ever in that position and you're like, but God, I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. And I'm just going to put all my trust in you. Do you know that'll get you through everything? It's interesting that Job was the first book in the Bible penned. And I'm telling you, in the body of Christ right now, in these last days, that is a question in many Christians' heart. Why is, why? Why has God allowed this sickness and it keeps getting worse and it keeps this and that? No, no, you gotta get past all that, get your eyes off all that, and you gotta look at God and go, listen, I don't care what's going on in my body. I don't care what's going on in my life. I don't care what happened to me. 
I'm going to take you for at your word. And if you said you could make all things new, then you could make all things new. Right? And there's some things I'd... Do you know there's nobody in heaven? Nobody steps out of their body and they see Jesus. And they're like, hey, you know what? We need to talk. No, this is what they're all doing after they're like, oh, master. They're like, wow, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You see people probably walking around for years in heaven. Wow, yeah. Okay, now I understand that. Oh, yeah, I understand that now. Right? He is good. He is, isn't it amazing? We'll be talking. Isn't it amazing? Leanne, isn't it amazing that everything God said was true? We're going to be like, yeah, you know, we preached that. But yeah, it is. This is really real, right? Do you know the Holy Spirit of God is here, right in this place right now? He's here bringing revelation. He has an anointing. I could feel it. I could barely talk right now. I mean, he's here. Jesus is here. He's, he's looking, he's walking around. He's inspecting the hearts of people. He's looking for a hungry heart so he can show himself strong. The Father is up in heaven and he is just excited about you. About what you can do when you come to the realization that everything in this book is absolutely true. Right? Too good to be true. Yeah, it's called the gospel. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who's hardened himself against God and has prospered? The answer to that is no one. Blaming God never will prosper you. So go to Psalm 18. See, this stuff is just thrilling to me. Psalm 18, verse 26. This is going to rock your little world, baby. I know this rocked my world. It's still rocking my world a little bit. I love it. Because, you know, we have this picture of our Jesus some people's Jesus is just so little. There is nothing little about him. Look at what Psalm 18, 26 says. It says, with the pure, thou, talking about God, will show himself or thyself pure. So with those that come to God with a pure heart, God will show himself pure. Make things very clear. But with the froward, that means distorted. But with the, with the people that come to him with this distorted view, God will show himself distorted. What? That's in the Bible? Yeah, this is what people do when they read that. They just read over it. They just... Right? In other words, if you will humble yourself and be tender-hearted towards God, He will be tender-hearted towards you. Nicodemus. He comes to the Master Jesus starts to tell him about some spiritual things and he's like, Nick, dude, you're a leader and you don't understand this? But he was humble. And he, Jesus was trying to help him. 
Pharisees come to the meeting to catch him in something. And Jesus is like, oh, hey, how you doing, Mr. Whitewashed Tomb? <laughs> right? It sounds a lot like with the measure you meet, it'll be measured to you. See, if you get hard with God, you will come up against the wall. Why? Because your father loves you. Yes. And he can't, he can't violate his word. He's got to get you to a position where you see it so that you could lay hold of the truth of the word. So he's not going to bend a rule just because, well, let's just make an exception. He can't do that. Because Satan will steal from you whatever you may get. And that's what I love about God. There is no shadow of turning in him. There is no darkness in him. There's no manipulation. Isn't that good news? See, if you get hard with God, there's no help for you. Why? Because he is not one of your helps. He is your help. Not only is he your help, he's your hope. He's your whole future. He is your everything. everything. So as a good father, he's like, listen, you have to see me as I am. And in order to do that, you've got to trust me. You've got to, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to realize, Tony, that you don't know everything, but I know everything. Right? I love that. Look at Psalm 46.1. I love this scripture. It says, God is our refuge and strength. God is. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. That means whenever you get in trouble, he's there. Right there. Right? You're in the middle of a storm, he's right there with you. You're out there blowing it and you're not walking by faith and you're sinking. All you got to do is call out to him because he's right there and he will grab you and lift you up. Right? I love that about him. So now go back to Psalm, or Proverbs 29. And now I've said all of this to get to this point. And this is the reason why we're teaching this so strong. As your pastor, I love you so much. God has taken me through some of these things for years. It's amazing how he never gives up on me. And I, you know, he wants you to be a world overcomer and walk in everything that he's provided for you. And he'll never give up on you. And nothing you can do will ever move him from that. Proverbs 29 verse 1, look at this. Now this is what we're seeing. He that being often reproved. The word reproved means corrected. He that being often, so this is something that has happened over and over and over and over over a long period of time. He who is often corrected over and over and over and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. That's why we teach this. Well, that's Old Testament. Brother, that's still working today. 
It's a principle, right? Jesus fulfilled the law, but this is a principle. He'll suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. This means without health, healing. It means it'll be incurable for him. It means he will be unable to be restored. Why? Because God won't, won't help him? Nope. Because he won't change. You keep over and over and over. God deals with you in an area and you, you just kind of, you know, we don't say no to God. Do you ever say no to God? You just kind of, you know, you just kind of go la, 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 la. You get busy, right? Right? You guys know my area now, the one he's working on me with. Man, here we go, Brussels sprouts. You had to bring that up again. I thought Sharina loved me, but that's okay. But no, seriously, over and over and over again, listen, I don't want to be destroyed without remedy, right? But if I'll confess it I get, and forsake it, I get mercy. Not just confess it, but confess it and forsake it. It means move in a different direction, right? What is your area? I'll guarantee all of us probably have multiple areas but knowing God, what is the area that God's working on you on? Now, here's the thing. If you're hardened, if you're callous, if you're stubborn, and you've been pushing this down for a long time, you might not know. So what do you do? You start putting the word first place. You, you, you forget about everything else in your life, and you press into him. And all of a sudden, you will start, who you are on the inside will start, you'll start getting real sensitive. You use your mouth. Father, I thank you that I'm pliable. Your mind's going, oh, whatever. You know, and you're like, shut up. I thank you that I delight myself in you. I'm, I'm pliable. I hear your voice. You, you do that just for a little while, and all of a sudden, there will be an area. And, and, when, and this is what God wants you to do with the area. He doesn't want you, this is what people think. Okay, if this is the area, we got to use a water bottle, right? So if this is your area, this is, this is what he wants you to do with the area. I confess it, and I forsake it. How do I forsake it? How do I forsake it? Do I just start focusing on it? Okay, I, gotta, I just got to do this. No. I forsake it. Say, Ryan is God. You're a lucky woman, right? So don't ever think he's wrong because he's God, right? I just cast that whole care on him. I'm giving that to you. You got to help me. And then I just, I walk, right? He that being often corrected and hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. The ESV version says this. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. The Young's literal translation says a man often reproved hardening his neck. In other words, it brings out that Hebrew phrase that when you're reproved, you harden. Don't talk to me about that. Hardening his neck is suddenly broken and there's no healing. I'm trying to think of another issue in the Bible that's incurable. And I'm having trouble thinking of another area. 
this is the number one area, right? See, not even unbelief is incurable. If you're in unbelief, you can change. But if you get too hardened and callous, you might get to a point where you will not change. And that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. Guys, when you study this, I hope right now you're not just thinking about yourself, but you're sitting here going, do you know what? In my church family, there is nobody that's going to get there because I'm going to keep going to the Lord. Who can I encourage? Who can I encourage? Who can I encourage? Not tell them what to do. Not get down on them. Not quote scripture to them every day. No, who can I look down on the inside of me and encourage and encourage and encourage because that that I may if God could see the Bible says our words can minister grace. I could see if somebody is so hard, God's resisting them, but I could minister grace to them. Maybe they're they could they could start going. Oh man, maybe I do need to change, and and that could lead them right into freedom. See, not even unbelief is incurable. What's an example of that? Abraham and Sarah. Right? Poverty, sickness, disease, it's not incurable. The principle is this. The person repeatedly is corrected and then destruction comes because they will not change. No one can get through to this person, not even God. Right? So let's go on. Keep that in mind. That's a verse you want to like have arrows pointed at that in your Bible, right? Underline that. This is big. James chapter 4 now. Go to James chapter 4. Let's look at verse 6. Guys doing okay? I hope this is helping you. I believe it is. James chapter 4 verse 6, it says, But he giveth. Now this is in... The continual present tense. That means he continues to do this all the time. But he giveth more grace. If you wanted to read this accurately in English, you could read it like this. But he giveth more and more and more and more and more and more until, I mean, I could just keep going forever. More grace. There's always more grace. He's constantly wanting to give more grace. Wherefore he saith, God He resists, he opposes, he stands against the proud, but he continually gives grace to the humble. So then the Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That word resist, where God says he resists the proud, and then it tells you to resist the devil, do you know it's the same Greek word? I don't want God resisting me like he would resist the devil or like he's telling me to resist the devil, right? See, Genesis chapter 8 tells us everything in, in, everything in God's creation, it, it works on this system, seed, time, and harvest, everything. We reap what we sow. God, God resists, Why? Because the person is sowing resistance. That's why God has to. 
isn't it, isn't it amazing that God comes to us and says, here I am. How much of me do you want? How much of me do you want to know? Do you think Jesus picked Peter, James, and John to be his inner circle? No, they picked him. God's no respecter of persons. I could just imagine. They're just, I mean, they're probably elbowing each other trying to vie for position, right? John's this little teenager. Peter's probably this big dude, probably, you know, this fisher guy, knocking John out of the way, but he's, he's wiry, so he's brown on the other end. He can't get rid of him, right? God is willing. It, you set that bar. Isn't that amazing? Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 says this. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? The answer to that is no one or nothing. The other end of that coin is if God's against us, game over. Who could be for you? So in other words, really, you have a choice, but it's not really a choice. Humble yourself, right? So now I want to finish by taking just a few minutes, and we want to talk about a big example. You would call this guy the leading candidate for the hardened heart. Old Testament example, you would almost say if there was an icon or if he would be the poster child of the hardened heart, the pharaoh of Egypt. Now think about a pharaoh in Egypt. He is the ruler of the most powerful nation in the plan, on the planet. Nobody ever tells this guy what to do, right? So there was a sequence to him hardening his heart. Judgments happened. Miracles were happening. He was seeing them. Moses would say to him, God told me to tell you, let my people go. But no one ever tells Pharaoh what to do. I'm the man. Right? Pharaoh hardened himself in pride. See, pride, it brings about a hardening, a stiffening, and it will cost you everything. Everything. Humility brings about what? A softening. Humbling yourself is literally an exercise in softening your heart. Humble yourself. Right? Do that. You, you know you're going down Dodge, and you're, or you're going down, you know, let's just, I'll use an example. You're going, let's say you're just going down 180th, coming south, and you're going to get on Dodge. And there's this person going 30 miles an hour in a 45. And then they, they just, they pull right in front of you. So what do you do? You know, they get in the left lane to turn to go because they're going to Faith Family Church, <laughs> right? They get in the left lane. So what do you do? You're driving and you just reach down, you put it in sport mode, and then you get in the right lane. But then they see you do that. So the light turns green. They're no longer going 30. They're gunning it now. Humble yourself and let them go. That's an exercise 
That'll soften you. It's an exercise in humility. Now, I know that's never happened to any of you. I have no idea who I'm even talking about right now. But, but do, you, do you see that? Just, just let somebody go. Has anybody tried to cut you off? Let them cut you off. That, it, it's like exercise yourself in being soft. Don't exercise yourself in being hard. Right? Humility brings about a softening. Humbling yourself. When you're doing that, think about it. Okay, I'm just working out right now. I'm exercising myself in softening my heart. Because this doesn't matter, but being soft towards God matters. Right? So Exodus chapter 7 through chapter 14, aerial view, Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says no. So then we come to Exodus 8, and we have the plague of blood and the plague of frogs. Right? Exodus, you don't try to turn here, I'm going to go kind of fast. Exodus 8.8, 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me. First of all, the blood thing didn't really face Pharaoh. But he's like, you got to go to the Lord and, and tell him, please, take the frogs away from me and from my people, and I will let your people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. So, so Moses goes to God, God gets rid of the frogs. Exodus 8.15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, that Hebrew word means relief, he hardened, when, when he saw the frogs were gone, the pressure's off, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So in other words, he just lied. When the relief came, so, so when he was under the pressure, okay, okay, I'll do this. All right, God, God, you know, I know I'm supposed to change this. Yes, I'll do this. The minute the pressure's off, nope, not doing it. Right? Have you ever seen that? Blowing it out the tubes, man, I'm just living my life. I'm living my better life. I, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, my life blows up. I'm in church every service. God, okay, I've just committed my life to you. Things get better, gone. That's, that's what this hardening thing does. So then there's a plague of lice. Exodus 8, verse 19. Then the magician, magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. The plague of flies. I would have, ugh. Right? Could you imagine you're trying to eat? Flies are flying in your mouth and just everywhere, right? You guys are getting grossed out. It's not the first Wednesday at least, okay? We're not having watermelon with black seeds in it. So that's, wouldn't that be bad if I would have timed that one? Exodus chapter 8, verse 25. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go. Go ye, sacrifice to your God. But then he says, in the land. Like, you got to do it here. Verse 31 and 32. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. There remained not one. Man, when God gets rid of flies, there's not one fly. I mean, that's awesome, right? And Pharaoh hardened his heart 
at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Then there's a plague of cattle, and in Exodus 9, 7, and Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Over and over and over. Then there's a wonderful plague of boils. And in Exodus 9, 12, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then there's a plague of hail, Exodus 9, 27 and 28. And Pharaoh said and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. This time. The Lord is righteous. Wow. And, and I and my people are wicked. Okay. I messed up once and now I, and I'm wicked and so are my people. Entreat the Lord for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail and I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. Verse 34. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart and he, he and his servants, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So now we go into locusts. And in Exodus chapter 10, verse 16, then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste. And he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So then God removes the locusts. And then in verse 20 of chapter 10, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. Now if you study this out, a couple times it says the Lord hardened his heart. Every other time it says he hardened his heart. Study those Hebrew words. It's always, he, it's always Pharaoh's decision to harden his own heart. Then there's a plague of darkness. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed, and let your little ones also go with you. Verse 27, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said to him, Get thee from me. Get out of here. Take heed to yourself. See my face no more. For in the day that you see my face, you're going to die, Moses. This is how I love this. This is humility. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well, Pharaoh. I will see your face no more. What Pharaoh didn't understand was he would see his face no more because the hardened heart that he had was going to cost him his life. Right? So then, Exodus 12, there's the firstborn is killed in Egypt. Exodus 12, 31 and 32, and he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. Because he lost, see, it was impossible for Pharaoh's son to die because Pharaoh was a god. But his son died. Chapter 14, verse 8. Even after that, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, 
and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand, and then Pharaoh died in the Red Sea. His hardened heart. This is, why did I take all this time? Because his hardened heart, he was often corrected, and he hardened his heart, and it cost him everything. And guys, that should never, ever happen in a Christian's life. Submit your life to the word of God. Commit your life to him. He's not part of your life. He is your life. So the progression we see is the progression we've all seen in our own lives. When the pressure's on, Pharaoh didn't think he would make it. He said, remove the pressure and I'll let God's people go. As soon as the pressure's off, pride and hardness returned. And he didn't obey, and it kept getting worse and worse until he died. The cycle continued until Pharaoh was dead. Now, the good news for us as Christians, if you choose to harden your heart, listen, you're still going to spend eternity in heaven. So ultimately, you're not lost forever. You're going to have a great eternity. But I can guarantee you, you're going to wish you hadn't done that. There was no cure for pride and the hardness of heart. See, do you see how he was face to face with miracles and he still hardened his heart? Pharaoh could have repented any time and he didn't. Proverbs 29.1 He that being often reproved hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed without remedy. See, it is in him, it's Acts 17, 28, it's in him that I live and I move and I have my very being. To receive grace, you must be soft-hearted. It's how you got saved, it's how you've received everything. So I want to encourage you, church family, we are living at the end of this deal. At the very end of this deal. And we, you know, you just don't have time to deal with the same issues. You got to humble yourself and give them to God and let him empower you by his grace so that you can walk out his plan for your life. Your kids need to see that, right? Your grandkids need to see that. The world needs to see that. I'm telling you, God has placed us here for such a time as this. So I want to encourage you, humble yourself, make those changes, and he will help you. Amen?